Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's worthy this morning. He is he's worthy of our praise, worthy to be lifted up and exalted this morning. Amen. And we need to, uh, and if, if those of you that have a talent, I know, I know Paul, I know you play trumpet. We, we can have a horn section over here, and they can like have those steps, those moves where they're playing and dipping and turning around. And then others of you that maybe sing or whatever, join. Join the worship team, amen? That would be a great thing. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 13. In case you're wondering where this is, you should be able to find it right after 1 Kings. I'm, I'm just kidding. 2 Kings chapter 13, and I'm going to begin reading, uh, you know, I'll read uh, beginning in verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning in verse 14, and I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible, so if you have a different version, it may read differently, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about all that's taking place, the lives of individuals. I sent out an email and, and I got a response from one of the, uh, one of the, the people I emailed uh, about this topic and uh, very insightful, very insightful. And it's, it's, uh, it's good to see that there are people that, that will get it, you know, they'll see what, what's happening here in this story. So let me read it to you and, uh, and we'll see what it says here. This is what it says, 2 Kings chapter 13 beginning in verse 14, now Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel, and when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground, and he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it, you will defeat it only three times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us through this story here, there is a reason why you've given us this story to remember. And I just pray, Lord God, that your spirit, the same spirit who is present, to provide this opportunity to the king of Israel will also speak to us and will show us how you have provided opportunity for us. So I pray that you would anoint these words. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen, amen. You know, the country of Aram was a neighboring country to Israel, a country just north of them, uh, 
And so they were enemies. And for years, they beat Israel down. I mean, beat them down, stripped them of everything that was valuable. They were a, a, a nuisance to Israel. And, and, it, and the people of Israel had to live with this. And they gave Israel such a miserable existence, like a thorn in the flesh, year after year after year. But Israel had something that Aram did not have, and that was the prophet Elisha. If you've ever read the stories of the prophet Elisha, he was the guy who took over from the prophet Elijah. Elijah went on to be with the Lord, uh, taken up in a chariot. Elisha took over and did amazing things for Israel. In fact, whenever the enemy would plan things against them, he was able to hear what the king was thinking. He was able to hear and, and to stop some of the, the plans of the enemy against Israel. So he was in Israel, Elisha, the, the prophet, and, and he gave advantage to them. And, and, and after year after year of being suppressed by the Arameans, it got to the point where the king of Israel felt, felt man, we have no hope. His father had just recently passed away. The army was destroyed, and now he hears that Elisha was on his deathbed. Elisha wasn't doing well. Okay, so Jeho Jehoash, when he heard of it, he went to go see the prophet, and he wept over him. And this is what he said. He says, my father, my father. Now, if you were to go back in verse 4, it actually tells us that his real father uh, King Jehoahaz, and I don't want you to get confused with all these Jehoash and Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz, his father, his real father, had brought some hope to Israel. I mean, he fought a little bit. He struggled with the Arameans. He, he gave what he could. In fact, he went to the Lord and he asked the Lord for favor, and God gave him favor. He gave him some comfort against the enemy. But now his father was dead. So he turns instead to Elisha, and he calls him, my father, my father. But he also called him the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, which I thought is interesting. In the king's mind, that's what Elisha was for Israel. Man, you are the army. You can't die. Man, you can't leave us like this. Man, we're, these people have been beating up on Israel for years. You, you are the army. You are the, the, the chariots and horsemen. You are the hope of this nation. You can't die, right? In verse 7, it tells us that the king of Aram, the enemy, totally destroyed the Israelite army years earlier. It says this. It says, nothing had been left of the army of Jehoahaz except for 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers, which is nothing against an army of hundreds of thousands, right? For the king of Aram had destroyed the rest and made them like the dust at the at threshing time, like, like the dust that you just sweep up. There, there was nothing left. So, so here the king was hopeless, empty, no, no plan, no army, no, no vision, nothing, nothing. So in the eyes of King Jehoash, Elisha was the man. Man, we need you. He's their only hope. You're my father. You're, you're the army, the horses and chariots of Israel. But God says, no. No. H having a strong king, that's good. That, that's a good thing. 
and having a strong army, that's good too. But God has given you the grace to secure your own future. You don't need Elisha, and you don't need an army, or you don't even need your father who found favor in the Lord. I'm telling you what you can do to secure the future of your nation. So right here, in 2 Kings, beginning in, in, in 13 and 14 and on, Elisha directed him to shoot arrows in the direction of the city that had been overtaken by the, the, by the enemy. Shoot an arrow in that city. And this was like a, a, a custom in the times when they would shoot an arrow like a declaration of war. It was almost like spiritual warfare. Shoot an arrow into that direction. Start with the shot. Shoot an arrow. Make a declaration of what you feel about this place. A signal, not just of war, not just a signal of war, but of total annihilation. Shoot an arrow. And he shot it, you know, into that direction. And Elisha, Elisha told him in verse 17, the Lord's arrow of victory. This, he's, he's describing what you just did. What you did by shooting that arrow. He says, that is the Lord's arrow of victory. You didn't even know that, did you? The Lord's arrow of victory over Aram. You will completely destroy the Aramaics, Arameans at Aphek. By just shooting there? Wow, that's pretty heavy. But that's not all. He said, take the rest of the arrows and beat the ground with them. Strike the arrows as if by striking them, you could destroy the Arameans completely. Now, this, of course, like the first one, was a symbolic act. And the intensity and the frequency of, of, of striking these arrows would in, uh, indicate the, the intensity and the frequency by which the king is going to destroy the Arameans. Man, beat those, start beating, arrowheads start flying off. Beat them, man, beat those things until they become splinters. Elisha was saying, show me what you intend to do to Aram. Live it out. Show me in your body, show me in your life. Give me a preview of what you intend to do. This isn't gonna be the end act. This is an indication of how you feel against the enemy, what you will do against the enemy. This is what he's asking him to do. This was an opportunity to break Aram permanently, an opportunity to completely destroy the enemy. Now here, take the other elves. Show me what you're going to do. The Bible says that he tapped him three times and he stopped. And you, how would you have done it? Man, I would have been beating those arrows. Man, if I knew that, you know, if you, if you read it in the Inglewood version, it says, shoot an arrow into the air, beat the rest like you just don't care. Y'all ready, ready, rock the, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, wrong Bible. I would have been beating those things like, like crazy if you knew if you knew that the little things, what seems like a trivial thing, what seems trivial, like no connection, how in the world is there any connection with me shooting an arrow or hitting the rest of the air? How is that connected to my future? How, is it how are the little things that he's asking him to do, how is that connected? How is it associated with my victory? 
The Bible says that he only struck three times and stopped. And Elisha got upset. He said, what are you doing, man? Why did you stop? You, you should have struck the ground five or six times, the Bible says. Then you would have defeated Aram completely and destroyed it, totally annihilated it. But now you will only beat it three times. So clearly, this was a special kind of prophecy, a very special kind of prophecy. What Elisha offered jo uh, jo Jehoash was a window of grace. Here is, I, I want to give you something. This is a prophecy of possibility. And, 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 and the possibility is in your hand, like a spiritual blank check, right? Imagine somebody giving you a blank check, or maybe you shouldn't, right? I remember we had, a, years ago, there was somebody that had, like, received a box of checks. You know, they got a bank account for the first time, got a box of checks, and they said, man, I, could, I must have a lot of money, you know? All these checks. They bought all kinds of stuff, you know? Got in trouble? Before he died, Elisha is asking Jehoaz, what kind of future do you want? What kind of future do you want? If you, could, if you could have things go a different way, what kind of future would you want? If, if you could have things go your way, what kind of future would you want? What kind of future would you choose? And God made space for him to make that choice. Strike the arrows and change your future. The way things are, they're going to remain that way. The way things are right now, the oppression, the fear, the loss of, of every good thing, it, it will remain that way. But here, here's a window of opportunity. Here is a, a prophecy of, of, of possibilities. Strike the arrows, and you can change the way everything is right now. Just do it. Gave him space to prosper. Space to thrive, space to live unhindered, to live without the threat of war and loss. All you have to do is walk in it. All you have to do is take advantage of it. I'll make the space for you. And all you have to do is live in it. Occupy the grace that God is granting you right now. Live in it. Grow in it. This is the grace God is extending to you. Defeat and loss and fear was their current reality. They, they didn't have to look for that. That was there. Slavery and bondage to the enemy. That was the reality now for King Jehoash. But God offered him space to rewrite his future. Man, shoot the arrow to signal war. Shoot the arrow that indicates something in the spiritual realm. Now strike the arrows to indicate just how determined you are to fight for your children, to fight for your city, to fight for your nation. How determined you are to win. In 2 Peter 3.18, Peter challenges us. He says, grow in the grace of God. To grow in the grace of God. And think about what does that mean? That's our theme for, for February, to grow in the grace of God. Imagine grace as favor from God. Imagine it as 
as favor from God, favor that you did not expect, favor that you did not earn, but an escape from the way things are right now. An escape from the way things will be if favor has not been extended to you. The way things are, the way things are right now, the reality of the way things are. And God says, you know what? I can put that reality on pause. In fact, I can erase it and give you a window of possibilities. All you need to do is live in it, declare it, grow in it. And God made space. That's what he's doing here. It's favor and escape from oppressive conditions that God in his overwhelming love decided to change the challenges that you face. Can you imagine that? Imagine him opening up a window of opportunity like this for you, providing room for you to recreate a future that you did not earn. The things you can't necessarily imagine Imagine happening for you right now, but God says, you know what, the way things are, regardless of past, regardless of, of the current situations, imagine, here, beat these arrows, not as an end event, but as an indicating event of where you're going. Beat these arrows to show me how passionate you are for a future that's different. And if you took it lightly and didn't take God seriously, and the window closes. Peter is saying, when he tells us there in chapter 3, he's saying, grow up in the grace that God has given you to escape the here and now. Occupy the grace. Claim it. Live in it. Step out of the realities that you face right now and experience the possibilities God has provided for you. That's what it means to grow in the grace of God. It is something you do not expect, something you did not earn, something you could not provide in the flesh. You, there's nothing you can do. Now, there are some people who are blessed, went to school or got a good job or somehow people they knew and they got a, a job somewhere or, or you know, a good family, a good marriage. And there are some people who are blessed with all kinds of great things taking place in their lives. But God is saying, what if I offer you the possibility of something more? And it comes to you in something that just seems so trivial, like striking the arrows on the ground. If you take it seriously, man, you can change your future. God has a plan. God has a purpose. That's exactly what he's doing here. Having a good, strong king, that's good. A good political leader, that's good. A strong government, that's good. Having a strong army, that's good. Military might. And some trust in these things. And the king probably trusted in these things. Man, we can't lose you, Elisha. You're, our, 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 you're like my father was, the political leader of Israel. You're, you're like the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. You can't die. We need you. Man, we need you alive. And he said, no, no, sh you shoot the arrow. You hold the possibilities of the future of your family and your kingdom in your own hands. You make the difference. God has given you the grace to secure your own future. Strike the arrows 
as if by striking them, you can destroy Aram completely. Strike the arrows as if by striking them and you will destroy cancer or, or diabetes or, or addiction. Strike the arrows as if it means something to you. Beat those things, man. Break those things. And show me how you want to occupy this grace God has given you. Man, what a powerful image. God has given this guy a window to escape the realities he's living in. You don't have to live this way. But the problem with Jehoash, and I think the problem with us, is that we don't see the connection in the little things we do today. We strike the arrows in worship. We strike the arrows in giving. We strike the arrows in prayer. And those things become so trivial to us. We think that that's the end event. The end event is the giving, or the end event is worship. Once I'm done, it's over, without realizing that those are indicating events, not end events. There is something beyond that, something associated with the things that we do in the kingdom of God. He's given you the opportunity to strike the arrows, man. It was a window of grace, a chance to rewrite your circumstances, but the king failed to recognize the, the significance of these things. And years later, this is what the, the angel, if, if you, going through scripture, this is what the angel was saying to Gideon when he found Gideon. Same kind of a situation, hiding out in a threshing floor, hiding from the enemy, trying to hoard the little bit of grain that he had, just like a little bowl of, of grain to eat it to, so that the enemy doesn't take it from him. Hiding, afraid. And the angel comes to him and he says, you know, uh, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Men of valor, the Lord is with you. That is not his reality. The way I see my world is that I have an oppressor I have an enemy. He's taken everything from me. He's messed my life up. I have no possibility, no hope, no future. And the angel shows up. Here's a window of grace. You want to live in this, this message? You want to live in this story? You are a mighty man of valor. All you need to do is live in it. Stand up in it. Walk in it. Man, live it out, man. Take it on. Clothe yourself with this new promise. That is who you are. That's grace, man. That is grace. If, man, there is no better way to define what grace is than to say, hey, there is a way out. Here is all you have to do. And it just renames the guy. You're a mighty man of war. Man, I'm going to believe that. What am I doing here? What, why am I missing these opportunities? Why, how come I'm not at church? How come I'm not praying? How come I'm not singing on the worship? Man, I am a mighty man of valor. I need to live in this promise. That's what's happening here. You can come out of the wine press now. You can come into new possibilities now. You can grow up in the grace that God has given you. Man, this humongous amount of grace. We don't even know what it means, the possibilities of what it might mean for me and our families and our, our church to grow in the grace of God. This is also what, what the angel said to Mary. Mary, an insignificant young lady. Greetings, the angel said to her. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. 
Who, me? You got to have the wrong person. I'm broke. We're about to, you know, you know travel, have to go, and, and man, you don't know who you're talking to. I, you know, we have nothing going on. There's nothing happening in my life. And God says to the angel, go, let her know. Man, I've been thinking about her. Let her know. I've been, I've been man, interceding for her. Let her know that I've, I've prepared a way for her. I've got things that I want to do in her life. Let her know that the reality that she's living in is not the reality of my grace. That my grace will open up a, a whole new window of possibilities. Let her know that she's favored. And he told her, you are favored, favored by God. The favor of the Lord is upon you. And this led to her saying, man, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's what she said. She didn't, she didn't deny it, refuse it. She said, you know what? Everything you're saying, man, I take it. I'm, I'm grabbing those words, man. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm believing it. Same thing. This is the same thing. And she grew into the grace that God provided for her. You know, on Friday night, if you weren't here, you missed a powerful message. Uh, Pastor Danny, man, I was, when Pastor Danny was preaching, I was saying, man, I want to get saved, you know? <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, and he was talking about the, just the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, and, and, and it was just a powerful time. And, and it, I had the opportunity to, to share a scripture, and man, I... And this, it was on my heart to, to read from Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. And, and it says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. And imagine if the king, King Jehoash, took that as a model for life. That I'm not going to do anything that I'm going to do half-heartedly. What if that was his model? I'm not going to get involved in anything and just be kind of like, you know, slipping in and out, not, not committed, not faithful, you know, just kind of, you know, loose and, and just no, no commitment. What if he took this, this the, what, if, what if he took this, this passage and said, you know what, man, I'm going to make this the model of my life that whatever my hands find to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. And he gave him those arrows. Can you imagine the difference he could have made for Israel? The whole Bible, the Old Testament would have had to be written differently. If he only had that as a model. Don't half step. Either we're in it all the way or we're faking it. Some of us may be playing patty cake with the arrows. God extends grace and we take it for granted. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. He says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He's given possibilities. He's, he's extended something. He is changing nature on your behalf. The way things are, the way things will be, he will put on hold. He will erase it all because he wants to do something different for you. Don't take that grace in vain. He goes on to say, for in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. These arrows were not the end event. 
the way Jehoash handles the arrows directly are directly related to the way God will handle his enemies. That wasn't the end. By hitting the arrows, it wasn't, the, the event wasn't over. That was the indication of what God would do later. These arrows were not the end event. Right? Isn't that true in our giving? Giving is not the end event. It's the indicating event. It indicates how much God will bless you. It indicates where your heart is. It is not the end event. Isn't that true in our serving? It is not the end event. When you help somebody, it's not over. It's just like squash. Okay, we can file this one away. Jesus says, man, whatever you did to the least of these, man, you are doing to me. And you'll find that out when you get to heaven. Man, Lord, when did I visit you? When did I give you a, a cup of, of cool water? When did I serve you? When did I help you? When you did it to others. That wasn't the end. That was the indication of how much you love me. We've been playing patty cake with the, with the arrows. Man, you have them in your hands. What do you mean you're only going to strike them three times? Man, break those things and show the world how much you love the Lord. Show the world how much you want a different future. Man, get involved. Be committed. Faithful, man. Man, I'm blessed when I see that people take things serious. It blesses me, you know, and, and we try. There's other, we try and we try. But when people say, man, I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about God. I don't want to play games with God. I am serious, committed, sold out, man. You can count on me. That's what he's saying, man. You love Israel? Man, show me. Show me. Here, strike the arrows. Show me. But he did not associate little things, trivial things, to the bigger picture, man. I want to do something powerful in your life. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time striking the arrows. There's something meaningful in the little things. There's something meaningful. Sometimes in the little tasks that we do, we see no association with, with the end of, of all things. If only King Jehoash knew what it meant to strike these arrows, man, he would have entered fully. He would have grown up fully in the grace that God has for him. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. If only he had taken things a little more seriously. You know, so for us, as we stand to our feet, feet, <laughs> amen. You know, his biggest problem is that he just didn't know what this meant. Uh, man, isn't that true? Isn't that true for us? We, we, don't, we don't make the association with the, the things that we do, the little things that we do, things, how we live. We don't make the association that this has, has meaning or something else. That... I'm, the things I say and, and I do in God's house, in God's kingdom, in my life, the things that I say and do, that's not the end. It's not the end. It's, it's, not, it's not the end. It's, it's connected to something more. He didn't know what it meant. He didn't know what these arrows meant. Dude, you had the arrows in your hand. 
You had the future of your kingdom in your hands. Everything you prayed for, everything you desired, if, if you could change things, you had it in your hand. Man, what were you thinking, right? But he didn't realize how significant that time was, that moment was. I wonder, do we understand how significant the moment is, even right now? Right now, for some of us, that we, we love God, and we, but do we, really, do we really know him? Do we really love him? Do we understand how significant the moment is in worship or in prayer at the altar, in, in our giving, in our serving, the things that we do? Do we see the association? I want to pray for us this morning because I want us to search our hearts. I want us to take, take real inventory on, on the, the importance of this moment. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord God, Lord, that you would search us, my God. That you would move in our lives right now, my God. Help us, my God, to, to hear your voice. Father, I pray for those, my God, that are searching for more of you, that have a desire to walk deeper in the things of God, to hear your voice, to follow your leading. Oh, I pray right now, Lord, that we would see the significance in, these, in this moment. My God, that we would not overlook this time as trivial, as meaningless, as just routine. But I pray, Father God, that we would look at it with the significance of it being associated with a future that is different, a plan that you have for our lives. And I pray, Father God, that we can respond to you, Lord God, with faith, that we would live in the faith, the opportunity that you provide for us. This is our prayer. This is my prayer this morning, Father. I pray for those that come to the altar will come, my God, not as an end event, but as an indicating event. Oh God, and somehow in that prayer, find something that is transformational in our lives. Do a work, my God, I pray. In Jesus' name, if God has spoken to you this morning, I want you to come. Come to the altar. Come and seal up in your heart the things God is saying to you. Come and make a commitment. Make a commitment to the truth and the, the importance of the little things, those little things that God is asking us to do. There's meaning. There's meaning. There's, there's depth. There's reality. There's truth. Hallelujah. Father God, have your way. Have your way this morning, I pray. Jesus.